Hello, everybody, and welcome. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I'm Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. And you can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. And you can email us at Life's Accessories Podcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. You can also join the Life's Accessories Facebook group where we are having a lot of fun and loving all your posts and comments. Loving it. I love going there. It's like my happy place. And if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and like it and rate us and review us. Also, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so that you never miss an episode. Today, we are speaking to Julie Gersimlatt. I love Julie. Everybody loves Julie. And I promise you guys that you are going to love Julie. You can't not love her. Julie Gerstenblatt holds a doctorate in curriculum and instruction from Teachers College at Columbia University. Her essays have appeared in the Huffington Post, among others. And when not writing, Julie is a college essay coach. Rachel, we need to discuss this. We need some help there with our kids who are. God. Yeah. Can't wait. Can't yeah, wait. Well, you, be fun. You've been through that already. I've been through I, I, I'm a first timer, so mm-hmm. mm, we're going to mm-hmm. get some tips on college essay writing. Yeah. Julie is a native New Yorker, and she now lives in coastal Rhode Island with her family and one very smart Shishong Hu. Okay, what I don't what 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 is that one? I, I don't know. Is okay. it a cockapoo and a bichon? We're going to have to ask her. I've I heard of a so. lot of the dog combo. We'll You'll ask. ask. Yeah, yeah, we'll ask. Uh, but Daughters of Nantucket is her first novel, which is uh, out right around the time that this episode is airing. Yeah, it's exciting. I'm excited yeah. for her. So speaking of Nantucket, yes. a little background. Julie has vacationed in Nantucket since 1978. And she wanted to write something different than the typical women's fiction beach read. She wanted to write something that was set on the island and also introduce a historical novel about the courageous women who lived there. Now, I read this book already because Julie sent me an early copy. And what I loved about it was that, you know, I know about Nantucket, but this was a book about Nantucket that was set in 1846. Some of the characters are real, some of them are not. And Mm -hmm. so I love historical fiction, which makes me learn about... I'll say a time that I knew nothing about the place. I knew something about it, but it was Nantucket in 1846 is definitely different than the Nantucket we know, you know, that's for sure. Yeah. And I can't wait to talk to Julie because her book is about um, the great fire of Nantucket in 1846, Mm -hmm. but it's about so many things. It's about race and class and just these strong women and Julie's just the best. And I can't wait for you all to meet her. And I, I'm very curious to hear what her accessories. I am too. Hi, Julie. Welcome to Life's Accessories. Hi, great to see you, Rach and Stephanie. Thank you, Julie. It's great to have you here. And we're going to jump right into things. And we're going to ask you the burning question, which is, (laughs) which accessory would you like to share with us today? Well, I have and I know, I know for a fact, nobody has done this yet on your show. I have my Nantucket basket. That is correct. Nobody has brought a Nantucket no basket one. or any kind of basket. So can you tell us why you chose this item and what is the significance to you? 
Sure. First, I think I should just explain what a Nantucket basket is for people who are listening who don't know. Its formal name is a Nantucket lightship basket named thusly because a lightship, it's like a moving lighthouse. So it's a lit up ship in the water that lets sailors know, don't come close here. This is dangerous territory. It's either too shallow or rocky, etc. So men would be stationed on these light ships out in the middle of somewhere doing nothing all day and all night because they didn't even really sail anywhere. They just sat. So they started to make baskets off the coast of Nantucket in these light ships. Hence, Nantucket Lightship Basket. So I have a special attachment to mine because I got it in 1983 as a bat mitzvah gift from my aunt. Also a rare thing to get an Nantucket basket when you're 13, A, because it's kind of like an old lady object, and to get it as a bat mitzvah gift. That might be the only one. It's not a fountain pen. It's not a pocket watch. It's not all your typical bar bob it's my gift that's right and i'm thinking back to summers on cape cod when i was little and seeing women carrying these light ship baskets and i'd ask my mother about them and she'd say oh those are very fancy they were they were in they fact were, mine, were. yes i remember my aunt gave it to me and it was in this yeah. big beautiful box and i was like what is inside this is an amazing present and i opened up the tissue paper and i lifted this out and i had I knew I had to be excited about it, but it was like my grandmother had one and my mother and my aunt. And I didn't consider myself to be one of these ladies, like this fancy lady object. And so I was like, oh, thank you. And my aunt was like, you're going to one day you're going to thank me kind of a thing. You may not use it now. I know it seems a little out of character. It's no Tiffany necklace for your bat mitzvah put it away. And she was fine with that. She was like, you don't have to love it right now. And so I put it away for a long time, which means actually that it, it still looks young. It ages in the light. It looks younger than I do. It's aged better than us. (laughs) Just like our skin, Nantucket Nantucket baskets age in the sun and they get darker and darker. And of course that kind of shows that you have an old basket, but mine has a nice honeyed glow. She seems maybe like she's in her 30s instead of, you know, in her 40s or 50s. Tell us, do you you now use it? I do. You do? I do. I bring it every summer to Nantucket, and it's a whole thing because it's very (laughs) delicate, and it has this funny handle, so you cannot put it in your luggage. And sometimes we have to send our car after us or before us and all our luggage is in the car but not my basket so I have to take it out of the where I put it and I have to carry it with me with my carry-on bag and my normal handbag uh, and bring it with me to the island but once it's there with me I, I bring her out to dinner I parade her through town on my arm I, I'm proud of having this basket now sometimes people give me looks like kind of like side eye like what are you doing with that fancy basket because the women who carry them are older and seasoned Nantucketers with homes on the island and I'm just like a visitor with my (laughs) you're like a renter I'm a renter hey but you've got the right accessory so hey right 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 and it does sort of say something about you if you have the right accessory for the place the occasion etc and so I do think it's fun 
to carry around town. That is so interesting for our listeners to put this in context. There is a reason I believe that you chose this basket for this episode. And can you tell us a little bit about your relationship and your history with Nantucket and why exactly we are talking about Nantucket at this time, because you have a book coming out that I know we want to talk about. Okay. You are right. I do have a book coming out. (laughs) It's like magic that I know this. How did that happen? Amazing (laughs) that you happened to But no, I really do want to know, we're going to get more into it. I think our listeners are going to want to know about your history with the island of Nantucket. Sure. So I'm a New Yorker. We did not know about Nantucket in the 70s. We knew about, you know, the Jersey Shore and the Hamptons. That's where people went for summer. Um, But my aunt lived in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and her neighbor had a home on Nantucket. And so my aunt and uncle with my cousin and me and my parents and me and my brother um, and my grandparents all went to Nantucket based on this idea of my aunt's, I heard this is an idyllic place for a family vacation. We rented a house in the middle of nowhere at the time, which was Pulpus Road, for those of you who are listening yes. um, and know the island. And we rented a home for two weeks on the island and loved it. That was the summer of 1978. And then we did the same thing again the next summer. And then we were hooked. And so my history with the island goes back to the late 70s. And my love for it really goes back to that first ferry ride where my aunt brought goldfish crackers and we threw them up in the air for the seagulls to catch on the back end of the ferry. And we had her dog came along and it was just a really wonderful time. And so I've always wanted to write about Nantucket. And I tried several different kinds of ways into that story. I tried a memoir about my summers there. I tried a teenage romance set there in the summer. Um, I tried a, a midlife story that becomes a little bit of a mystery that takes the readers to Nantucket to solve the, the mystery. And then I learned about the Great Fire of 1846 and got hooked. And I could just picture as I read these accounts of that night of eight hours of the fire burning through town. And I said, this is it. This is the seed idea for my novel. I never thought of myself as a historical writer. I really only know Nantucket as a contemporary place, as a summer place with you're driving your Jeep on the sand and you're eating at fun restaurants. But I ended up loving this story and writing Daughters of Nantucket. How did you create these characters? Are they based on real life people? And tell us about that process. Sure. So I thought originally that I would write about a a whaling captain's wife who's alone. You know, her husband has left for several years at a time, time and time again, over the course of their marriage. And um, she's not only lonely, but she's out of money and she's waiting for her husband to come back. And he sends a letter saying, I'm not coming back this summer as planned. Sort of like something has come up. He doesn't tell her what it is. She's not happy. Um, And the story would go from there. I did include that. And that's Eliza Macy, but she's only one of three main characters because I realized that story was limited once I started to research the island and realize there were many other people living there, including an entire thriving Black community 
And at the same time, they were having issues with the integration of the schools there. So I thought, well, I need to have a mother who's dealing with integration for her child, which is something that she did not have access to. And although she was allowed into the high school based on her entrance exam scores, they did not let her in. So now she's fighting for her daughter and she's pregnant with another. And then my third character is based on Mariah Mitchell, who is a real person, probably one of Nantucket's most famous historical figures. She was the first female librarian in America. She ran the Athenaeum on the island, and she's also an astronomer who discovered a comet and taught it vaster later and is just a major historical figure. I'm holding up your book right now. For our listeners, when this episode comes out, the book will be out. So please go buy Daughters of Nantucket wherever books are sold. And we'll talk about this at the end where you can find Julie and all her awesome events. Julie and I are actually doing an event in person um, outside of Philadelphia. Side note, I cannot wait for that. (laughs) Um, I read Daughters of Nantucket in like three days. It's fabulous. I love historical fiction. What I really loved about this book is to go back to Nantucket and Stephanie and I talked a little bit about this before you came on. I've been to Nantucket exactly two times in my life, (laughs) not to sound snobby or whatever, but my aunt and uncle actually have been going to Martha's Vineyard forever. So we're kind of Martha's Vineyard, just so you know. We were having that conversation about, are you a Martha's Vineyard person or are you a Nantucket person? And And I don't know, Julie, if you've had that conversation with friends or family and and sort of if you've been to Martha's Vineyard. Yes. Yes, I've had that conversation. It's a debate. Well, my two experiences (laughs) in Nantucket, Julie, I think you'll laugh, is the first time I went um, and I went to visit my friend from college and we were there for one night and there was a hurricane and we left on like one of the last ferries sitting in the pouring rain with like tarps across us. (laughs) The second time my husband and I went right after we were married, Friends of ours, as a gift, gave us um, a weekend at a B&B um, in Nantucket, which was so nice. And we had a really fun time, but we laughed because we were staying at one of those old tiny B&Bs where you have to eat breakfast with everybody that you don't know and talk to them. And so we were like, oh my yes. God. Yeah. So those I are my love friends. that. That's but, one of my favorite experiences is to come down it, to breakfast and, and, and talk to everybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But what I loved about this book was that I picture Nantucket, like you were saying, of the modern day with the bicycle and the fudge shops and the dinners and the beaches and and to to read about Nantucket in 1846 with this fire and the whaling captains and segregation in schools I knew nothing about this I found that so interesting so I'm curious just as far as like you knowing Nantucket as it is today in you know the 20th century the 21st century was that fun for you to go back to 1846 yeah, it really was. First of all, I do have to say, if you've lived through a hurricane on Nantucket, then you're, yes. you know, <laughs> you're welcome anytime because Thank you. it's a rite of passage. It really um, was. It was my first many... time. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, our first time, I'll show you pictures after this. And anybody who wants to see pictures, go to my website. I have archives of old photos that oh, run me. on the bottom of, I think it's like the About Me page. And one of them, has me and my brother in giant slickers on the beach. (laughs) Our first summer, it rained, and we were like, that's not going to stop us. And we bought rain gear um, on the island. And yes, we've we've had trouble with ferries and flights and all of those things. Um, You have to really want it to go to Nantucket. Um, So writing historically, 
like I said earlier, was never my idea at all for anything. But if I was going to write about a place historically, Nantucket is perfect because it doesn't look all that much different than it did then. So yes, the town was destroyed that night of the fire, but it was rebuilt in a very similar fashion and several iconic buildings from town did survive. And many of the homes north and west of town also survived and predate the fire. So it looks very much like it did. And the footprint is the same. So when I say, you know, 100 Main Street, you can go there now and see exactly what I brought to life in my novel. Um, And you can imagine because there's still the street wharf and old North Wharf, they were rebuilt after the fire. You can picture yourself there. And so it wasn't that hard for me to do that. It was hard for me to get excited about 1846. It just doesn't seem like it's not a sexy time in American history. You know, (laughs) it's like, I like to think like the colonial era, really not sexy. (laughs) 1840s, like second, you know, it starts to get like good around the civil war and hoop skirts and soldiers fighting and all of that. And you can wrap your head around romance set then or the jazz age, you know, Harlem Renaissance, give me anything like that. And I can feel excited about the characters. So this took a little work and a lot of research and reading to get me to feel like these people could come alive in my head, but tried to make them as contemporary as possible within the confines of of their known. I love how you've brought the history to life. And you mentioned that Nantucket doesn't look much different today than how it looked before, but it must feel different because I know it just gets more and more crowded. What I love about Nantucket is how quaint it is, but it's a busy, busy place. And, and we always laugh because we'll sit on the beach at the Cape and there go big jets flying right over mm-hmm. to Nantucket. And How does it feel now compared to when you first started going? Well, I would say that the tipping point was the pandemic. Um, People could not go to Europe. They could not leave the country. And they started to discover places closer to home that they had only read about or thought about going to, but, you know, hadn't ventured to. And Nantucket is definitely one of those places since 2019 to 2022, I I personally have just seen a huge surge in in crowds in the summer months. I also feel like I have my family rituals and I have the things that I like to do and no amount of whatever traffic in town is going to stop me from loving my time there. But you do have to kind of get a little bit more assertive and aggressive on things like reservations for dinner. Okay. So tell me, what's the feeling? I'm at, you take the ferry. Okay. I'm a huge ferry believer. Yes. And yes, yes, I do take the ferry okay. in emergencies only. I will fly. Okay. So when you're on the ferry and you first get that glimpse of land, mm-hmm. describe to me the feeling. That's such a great question. The first thing you see is just this really like idea of a coastline of a shadowy surface against the water coming towards you. And then you see the jetties and the rocks coming out to protect the Harbor. And 
I get really giddy. That's like wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, if I was, you know, reading a book or talking to somebody in a seat next to me, I am outside, no matter the weather. And I am with my camera and my family and we're taking pictures and getting ready to arrive. It's really unlike anything else. And then coming around into the harbor, you see the Brant Point Lighthouse and the homes along Jetty's Beach and Brant Point and the cliff. And then you come into the harbor and see the church spires and all the boats in the harbor. And it's just, it's love. It's complete love. I ask that question because for me, it's the Sagamore Bridge. Unless I'm driving, then I'm white knuckled. (laughs) However, every friend I have who goes to Nantucket, that picture, the Brant Point Lighthouse, everyone takes that picture. And it's just such a beautiful scene. Yeah. And as sad as it is to leave two weeks later, which is usually how long I'm there for, um, we get pennies out. And just to share this tradition with everyone, you get a penny out. And when you pass the Brand Point Lighthouse on your way out, you throw it overboard and make a wish to return next summer. Oh, that's beautiful. Your love of this place is so apparent in this book. And I can't wait for all of our listeners to read this book because they're going to fall in love with Nantucket and with Eliza and Meg and Mariah and with you. And because everybody loves Julie, as I said to Stephanie before we got on, (laughs) can I just pivot for a minute to talk about one of the other things you do? Because you do do a lot. We read in your bio, you are now a historical fiction novelist. You're an essayist, which we've talked about before offline. And you are a college essay coach, I guess you would call it. Yeah. So Stephanie and I, and I think a lot of our <laughs> listeners want to know because we're kind of in the thick of it with teenage kids getting ready for college. I have one already in college. Can you tell us about some of your work being a college essay coach and um what that experience is like and the process has been like for you. And what is the perfect college essay we need to know? What what should my son write about? That's my question. I can actually pretty much, if we, if you and I talked for 10 minutes, I could give you a good idea of maybe this is the topic. I love it. But there is no one perfect topic for, you know, for all. I come from a background in education. I was a middle school English teacher for years. I have a doctorate in education and two master's degrees from Teachers College, Columbia University. And all of this was done because I wanted to be a writer, but I needed to fill my time with something that I felt was more practical and reasonable and kept me around books and learning. And so I taught and taught and taught and never wrote, except for these essays on the weekends or in the summer. So when I finally left teaching to write, I, um, I just happened, actually, I was sitting on the beach on Nantucket and a friend texted me from here in Barrington about five, maybe six summers ago and said, I know that you write and my daughter's having trouble with her essay. We have a college advisor. She worked with my first child. She's working with this one, but something is off with the essay. Can you take a look at it? And so I read it. I read it on the beach on my phone and I was like, hmm, there is something wrong here. <laughs> and I passed it to my mom. I'm like, mom, can you read this? And she's like, mm, something's not right. And then I passed the phone to my husband. I was like, just, just read this. And he's like, yeah. And, and so by the end of that, I said, I, I want to advise you. I know you're already working with someone and I don't want it to be too many cooks in the kitchen. 
But <laughs> daughter's willing when I get back from vacation, well, can she come over and we'll just talk about it. It wasn't about being paid. It was just about getting the message right for this kid who was so exceptional. And the story had so much potential. Mm. And there was something in the tone that wasn't right. And I figured it out with her. And we had such a great session. And I can tell you what it was, which was she was making it seem like a problem because they say you should maybe have a problem and show how you solved it. Or you're a leader of something and you came across an issue. And she was making it too perfect. I fixed it. It's all good. But when Mm -hmm. I met with her, she said, actually, I got in the car after the first day of this meeting where I was leading this thing. And my mom said, how did it go? And I was like, it's a hot mess. I don't know if I can do it. I was like, you have to put that in. You have to say exactly what you just said to me and put it in the essay and show your doubt and show all of those real feelings that you wrestled with. A student will tell you a story in a really great, engaging way, but when they put it on paper, they feel like it has to be formalized and cleaned up and neat and perfect. Right. And it loses the voice and all of the emotions. So that's how I started. And every year I just sort of word of mouth picked up more students. Um, I have a website. I get students from across the country and across the globe who just find me and we hit it off and we write that essay, 650 words. <laughs> laughing at what you're talking. Cause Stephanie and I joke about this. We both have juniors in high school and yeah. I know you have a senior in high school. We joke because as parents, you talk about how competitive it is these days to get into college. And you think that kids are writing essays about curing cancer, saving countries and um, having seen some essays now, cause my son's already done this. I think what you're getting at is true. It's not really about what you're writing about. It's how you write about it. Right. Yeah. It's not the resume building thing. It's the moments in between. It's those mm-hmm. little decisions. It's that like shift in a mindset or the aha that led to something else. It's a moment of growth. We don't really notice them when we're so busy building the resume and getting the SAT tutoring and all the rest. We're so focused on the end result, wrapping it up in a bow. How did we solve the problem? But what you described, it just, it reveals so much character, which is the whole point. It's really fun. And, and students don't understand also that true writing process. I think what makes me different as a college essay coach is I don't come from the world of admissions or college anything at all. I do not tell students where they should apply or any strategy for that. I just know story and I've written essays of about a thousand words for a million years. And so I can wrap my head around that piece and show them it takes time. Just because you put aside a Saturday and you're like, I'm writing my college essay today, you are not going to have that great insight in that first session. You have to write the wrong things down, get the story out, Go and walk the dog, like have lunch, keep that idea in your head and refine it and refine it. And you will eventually get there. They find that very frustrating. Yes, they do. They just want it done. They want it like done on TikTok. It's so funny because (laughs) I've, I've written a lot of essays too. And one time I had an essay, I think it was in the Huffington Post. And one of my kids' friends was like, you know, 
that would be a really good college essay. I was like, thanks. <laughs> can I bring it, can I bring it back to um, what else you have going on? Because I know you're kind of in the thick of your book tour right now. Um, can you tell us about some of the cool events you have coming up and are you going to be on Nantucket for some events this summer? Oh, yes, I will be. The thing about my book tour is that I'm launching in three states. Um, it, it sounds like a lot, but, but I come from Scarsdale, New York, and I grew up there. I returned there with my children and raised them there and taught in the district and wrote for the newspaper. So I have to have an event in Scarsdale. Oh, for that, sure. Oh, for sure. I like yeah. that's where like my high school English teacher is going to show up. Um, oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And my that's friend great. from play group when our daughters were two, who's now the mayor of the town, <gasps> the mayor. Um, you know, 18 years later. Um, and, but I live in Rhode Island and I've lived here for nine years and I have a big community of friends in town. So my launch party is on the day the book comes out, March 14th, at the Barrington Public Library. I call it my 100 moms book launch because it's going to be my friends, <laughs> locals from town. And then my third state that I'm launching in has to be Massachusetts because the book is set in Massachusetts. Yes, for sure. Although it's sort of an island nation of Nantucket, it's its own place, but I will be in Wellesley on March 16th for my Massachusetts launch. Then the Nantucket launch, when I heard from my editor that my book was going to come out in March, I was like, oh, that's great. But March is like not a thing on Nantucket. <laughs> Nobody's there. Like yeah. you can put a book out, but nobody will be there. No one will be there. Out. Right. I have since found out that even the bookstore owners are like not there in March. Not happening. <laughs> um, I thought, how about Daffodil Weekend, which is the last weekend in April and happens to be Independent Bookstore Day that Saturday, that that would be my Nantucket launch weekend. Daffodil is the weekend that celebrates the opening of the island for the spring and summer mm -hmm. season and mm -hmm. it makes a lot of sense so I'm also doing a Nantucket launch at the end of April that's All of fantastic on my website because I know it gets confusing but I have a whole list of events there how exciting so tell us are there more books for you in oh. the future yes so I have two more planned I don't want to call it a series, but I don't know what else to say because they're standalone novels and you don't have to read them in any certain order. In all the research I was doing, actually what happened was, if you've heard the phrase, kill your darlings, it means you have to maybe kill a character or something you really <laughs> love. Yes. In book. Yes. yes. You yes. cannot have them all. <laughs> And what, what was happening with Eliza Macy, that. Eliza Macy had two best friends. So I had to kill one. One is Mariah Mitchell. She stands strong. She got to take on all the qualities of these two different friends. The other one is now on a whaling expedition, not a whaling, excuse me, a merchant. She's a merchant husband who shops the globe in a clipper ship. And she is off. Her name is Nell Starbuck. And she is off with him on global adventures. And that's a paragraph in this book, Daughters of Nantucket. You know, Nell oh. Starbuck is away and yeah. Eliza misses her. Well, the second book, don't you want to know where Nell Starbuck is? Yes. Don't you yes. want to go shopping with her in China and yes. France yes. and England and San Francisco at the height of the gold rush? 
So that is so that's where we're going. That's where we're going. And we're going to meet up with a character who I love from the first book, who will appear older and wiser. Who's that? Can you tell us? Joseph Allen. Oh, okay. All right. I am all in. That's fantastic. And I love it. Our listeners cannot see you right now, but your expression is filled with so much joy and excitement. I wish people could see you right now because it's infectious. It's coming right through. Thank you. I can be excited. I don't have to write it. I can just tell you about it. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to say, how are you finding time now to write this other book with all the other stuff you're doing, like being on a book tour and getting kids into college? Well, I have done all the, not all the research, but I've done enough research now to start writing, have been charting an outline. And I wrote the, um, like the three page prologue, which got me really excited. I woke up one morning and I was like, I know who starts this book. I know what she's going to be doing. And I wrote that down. I have not written anything else at all. I'm impressed with people who are on book tour and writing. I feel like I want to enjoy this. It's hard one. It's long time coming. I'm 52 years old. My, if I made t-shirts, they would say debut at 52 and all the ladies would be wearing them as they carry their basket on their arm, because I just want to focus on connecting with readers, talking to them about my book and kind of just getting dressed up and having fun and socializing. As you should. Congratulations. Speaking of getting dressed up, are you going to be bringing your Nantucket basket to these events? And also, will you be coordinating your outfits with your book cover? I've heard talk about that a little bit. Yes. In fact, I'm going to do some videos about it so people can see one of, I am going to be bringing my basket to most events, not all of them. Right. She um, needs to rest a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. so that's how we call her. She, yes. Yes. she, she needs a little time off. I think. What's yeah, does she have a name? That's what I want well, to know. Just to describe for people, it has a wood. A, my basket is round. Some are oval. It has a top that closes with a toggle made of ivory. It has a wood, a round wood piece with an ivory shell on top, and inside it has my name on ivory. <gasps> oh, oh my god. Wow. So I'm going to be doing That's videos beautiful. about the basket so people oh. can see it. And then there's a penny on the bottom that tells you that's glued there by the designer who's Michael Kane to show the year to authenticate what year the basket was made. So it's a 1983 penny on the that bottom. That is so incredibly so when special. You send us those videos because we'll post them. Okay. Yeah, yeah. We'd love to see that. So awesome. before yeah. you came on and we were introducing you, your dog featured oh, right. prominently in your biography. Your, am I saying it right? She shampoo. Yes. What is that? Okay. <laughs> so a she shampoo is a Bichon Shih Tzu poodle mix. Okay. Oh, okay. Three, we didn't know. Three in one. So she's half Bichon Shih Tzu. Like one okay. of her parents was a mix. Got it. And half poodle, like a red poodle. So she's an apricot color. Um, and she's super smart. I had a Bichon growing up. I'm, I'm allergic to everything, but I love animals. So we've always had to have hypoallergenic dogs. My Bichon was wonderful, but not smart. And <laughs> poodles are and so really smart. not trainable and just a little, you know, a little ditzy. And mm. so, but Sammy with that poodle mix in there, she's so smart and just loving and sweet and and beautiful i have to mention her in all my bio materials but 
I did want to also, people can't see this, but I did buy clothing to match the book cover. So in terms of Rachel's question about what I'm wearing on tour, and we will, I'll be doing Instagram posts about that too, and videos. The cover is somewhere between purple and blue. And even Mm -hmm. the designer of the cover would not declare one or the other. And that has been, it's beautiful. It's a saturated hue, but I don't know what to wear. Am I wearing purple? Am I wearing pink? You're kind of matching it right now. I I was going to say. That's all the colors. Right. Well, we'll post pictures. Definitely. So speaking of Instagram, where can our listeners find you? So on Instagram, it's at Julie Gerstenblatt and Facebook, also Julie Gerstenblatt and follow me on my website, which has my most recent Instagram feed running along the bottom and you can get my newsletter and I write once every two, three weeks and update you on the tour and where I am and what's happening with my writing life and my life life. And it's also where people can find out about if they're interested in having some coaching for college essays. That's wonderful. Your newsletter is great. I just got it. I think it was last week and I loved it. I really enjoyed reading it. So yeah, truly entertaining and short. Well, this has been an absolute pleasure and congratulations on your book and all of your success. And we can't wait to see the next installment. Thank you. We cannot wait. Thank now, you. I'm not lucky enough to have a Nantucket basket, but I am thinking about this. I got it a couple of summers ago from Anthropology. It's like a pocketbook that looks a little bit like a basket. Yeah. Like um, a straw rattani. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's kind of back in style now, I guess. Yeah. Listen, it's not as fancy. It's not coveted, but I'm going to get that out this spring and it's summer. It's not the OG. It's, it's not. not the OG. <laughs> it's not. Bring it out. Bring all that stuff. All the baskets. Thank you so much for joining us and thanks to our listeners for tuning in.